Samantha's having a nervous breakdown today. I am having a nervous breakdown. (sighs) Tell. The guys at work think that I look like a girl that I know that is, no joke, like 300 pounds. They showed me on the security camera them literally stopping in the middle of the car wash, like, mouthing to each other, is that Sam? Is this Sam? Why is Sam not waving? Why is she not waving at us? Da-da-da-da-da. Like, an interaction where they're standing in front of this car. I told them I am now, like, never it's eating not, again. It's, it, it's not even that. It's Samantha knows her, went to high school with her, doesn't like her. That's... <laughs> And she has been, like, all day long texting me about this. I am dyeing my hair a different color. I am never eating again. I am (laughs) upset. I was like, if if that's the case, then this is the wake-up call I need, apparently, to lose a lot of weight. There it is. Because I don't think I look like I'm 300 pounds. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that that has anything to do with it. I think that it's because of who it is. But at any rate, and she has, like, flaming red hair. <laughs> Her face just went like, oh, no, Mom, you're giving too much identifying too information, much information out. You are, yeah, too much identification. She has purple hair, not red hair. What are you talking about? Oh, she dyed it? Oh, you're trying to cover it. You're the worst at this game. <laughs> oh, I think it's funny. And I'm just sitting here super excited because today is a Tracy case. It is a Tracy case. And I found a really, really great case that Samantha hopefully doesn't know about, mm-hmm. which is going to hit on multiple, multiple levels of, oh my God, you don't know about this case. And it's going to be epic. And so I'm super, super excited to do it. I'm like, let's just jump right in. We have nothing to talk about. And then she comes in and she's like, la, 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 la. I'm like, you've been talking about it all day. And she's like, but I'm not done. I'm upset. I can tell that you're upset. But, but moving on. No, I'm not ever <laughs> going to move on. They were like, uh, you're a little bit dramatic. I was like, you're not a girl. Shut your face. Shut up. <laughs> That's funny. Stupid men. That's funny. Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm good. Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is the suspended sentence. And we can be found at... Whoa. Instagram, uh, Facebook, TikTok, the Suspended Sentence Podcast. Email the Suspended Sentence Podcast at gmail.com. Tracy's book on Barnes and Noble or anywhere that you buy books. IDP, the 13 components to criminal thinking and behavior. She totally just got up and looked at my book. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. So I just know it now. I'm so proud can of you. Can I have one win today? You can Yes. Thank you so much. You're doing a great you really are. You're doing a great job. I'm and you have a full on mental breakdown. And you look beautiful. Thank you. Have you ever heard of Celeste Beard Johnson? I don't know. I'm bad with names. That's who we're gonna talk about today. Okay, give it to me. And I'm super excited. Okay, okay here we go. Celeste Johnson's biological parents are unknown. She met her birth mother only one time, and she was told, quote, I am not your mother. I was just your incubator. Oh. So that should tell you kind of what her mom is, her bio mom is like. Right. She claimed that her adoptive parent, whose name was Edward Johnson, physically abused her as a child, and that she attempted suicide when she was a teenager because her life was so just sad yeah right she allegedly sustained sexual abuse at the hands of a male relative and she partook in kind of a rebellious lifestyle growing up she was kind of just 
acted out because of her emotional numbness or whatever. At 17 years old, she became pregnant and she gave birth to twins, Jennifer and Christina, with a man whose name was Craig Bratcher. He was a welder and they married. The marriage though ended and a lengthy custody battle over the girls ensued. Um, the court ruled to separate the girls, awarding Craig full custody of Jennifer and the two moved to Washington State and Celeste got custody of Christina who lived in Austin, Texas. So this was brutal for the girls and they missed each other terribly. Yeah. Obviously, separating girls was, I mean, that's devastating. Celeste will get married and divorced several times over the next couple years before she met Stephen Beard while she was a waitress at the country club in Austin, Texas. Beard, a retired Fox broadcasting executive and self-made multimillionaire, more than twice her age, was a widower, widower whose wife had died of cancer. Mm. Celeste and Stephen began dating only two weeks after Stephen's wife passed away, and they dated for only a month before she moved in with him. Dang. That's right. quick. Very quick. Johnson moved in with Beard after he convinced her that he would legally adopt her daughters, even though dad has full custody of one of them. But anyway. Interesting. They were married on February 18th, 1995, with Beard's family and friends all very suspicious that Celeste was after him just for his money. They were like, this is quick bro like yeah your wife just died give yourself some time to heal you just had this long marriage with your wife you guys were madly in love like this is pretty suspicious she's half your age like some gold digger activity clearly she's a gold digger but he marries her anyway moves her in blah 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 so the girls the twins went years without seeing each other and had very limited contact with each other In July of 1996, the twins had planned a trip together where they would go to their grandparents' house in California and finally get to see each other after years of not doing so. They were so excited. They were so excited to see each other. But when they get to their grandparents' house, Jennifer tries to call her dad to let him know that they made it safe and that all was well. She tried for days to reach him without any luck. Nobody answered the phone. Nobody would. He just was not contacting her back. And then they finally get the news that he had committed suicide. He had left um, a handwritten note, suicide note. He had struggled with depression for years and years and apparently saw this as a good time to do it. Oh, that's sad. Right. So the twins were obviously devastated and they had a really, really hard time both with the news and of course, like now this new adjustment, right? Mom just got remarried. They'd been away from each other. Now there's going to be a new husband, a new stepdad, both of the twins living in the same place, switching high schools for their senior year. Like this was a huge adjustment for them and massive loss. Yeah. But Stephen was very, very kind. He took Jennifer in and treated her just like one of his kids. He showered both of the girls with tons of attention and a lot of affection. At the time, or at that time though, then he finally adopted them. And he had custom rings made for them as a symbol of their love, of his love for them. Can I just have, a, like, a sneak peek? Does he end up being a bad person? No. Okay. He was really good to them. Okay. Sometimes I'm no. like, uh, does this, like, get weird? Okay. It does get weird, but 
it, not because of him. He was actually okay. a really good dude. Okay. And both of them still to this day say that. Like, he was very, very good to them. Okay. He filled the, he filled the shoes of being a dad perfectly. He did a very good job, according to them. Okay. So fast forward a couple years, everything looks perfect. Everything is great. They were a happy family. It's now 1999. The girls were in their senior year of high school. It's October 2nd, 1999. Jennifer is staying at her boyfriend's house. I'm not going to comment on that mm-hmm. about a senior staying at her boyfriend's house, but whatever. Jennifer is staying at her boyfriend's house and she's not at home. The house in the house is Celeste, Stephen, and Christina. Christina is asleep in her room. It's the middle of the night when all of a sudden her bedroom door flies open and the lights go on. Her mother, Celeste, is screaming, hysterical. Someone is at the door. There's white lights flashing outside. No, and she's like just waking up. It's the middle of the night. Like things are not quite registering to her. Like what the fuck is going on, right? right? So Christina runs to the window, but she can see the lights. She can see all this commotion. She can see all these people outside her house. And so she runs to the phone as Celeste is just screaming, just being, just, just screaming. Hysterical. Yeah. Like somebody's trying to break into our house. Somebody's trying to get us. Da, 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 da. And so Christina runs to the phone and she is the one, 17 years old, that calls 911. And she calls 911 and she's like, people are trying to get into our house. And 911 is like, baby, that's the police. Open the door. So. What? Right. It's the, the lights outside that were flashing were cop cars. So I don't know, whatever. So, but just prior to Christina's call to 911, it was near 3.30 a.m. when police receive a different 911 call, hence the reason that they were there, from 74-year-old Stephen Beard. Quote, I need an ambulance. Hurry. My guts just came out of my stomach. Unquote. Responders go to the Beard Mansion where they find, and Christina lets them in. They, they say, is your dad here? She's like, yeah, he's in bed. They're like, take me there. So they go up to the to there where they find Stephen alone in his bedroom, literally holding his intestines from a hole in his abdomen. Initially, Stephen believed that the injury came from a recent medical procedure that he got, but responders try to figure out what happened. Celeste storms into the room, seemingly surprised by everything that's going on. Like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like, what's happening? Oh my God, what's wrong with him? Like, completely oblivious to anything that's happening. What the hell? Now, according to Celeste, she slept in a separate wing of the mansion because the noise from his um, CPAP machine would keep her up at night. So they didn't sleep in the same bedroom, according to her. And so she had absolutely no idea. She wakes up to all these flashing lights outside. She has no idea. But in the 911 call, Stephen says, my wife is in the house, but I don't know where she is. I can't find her. I, that's a weird thing to say for anyway, whatever. But lying next to him, so the ambulance comes in. They're trying their best to, like, figure out what happened, get his bleeding under control, literally his intestines. He's holding in his hands, and they're, like, trying to, like, quickly get him out of there, right? And the police find... Right, the risk of, like, hmm. infection, the risk of, like... Bleeding out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not knowing what the hell is going on, and obviously the police are there. Who, and, and there's a threat, if there is a threat. Right, what is happening? Is this from surgery? Is it from, you know, what's happening? But lying right there next to him on the floor is a shotgun shell. Right. 
So now they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. All of a sudden, is it or is it what happened, right? So Stephen is airlifted. I'm so confused. Right. Air, um, Stephen is airlifted to the nearest hospital, and he's in critical condition. Hmm. Christina calls Jennifer right away to tell her what's happening, because remember, Jennifer is staying at her boyfriend's house. So Christina calls Jennifer right away, tells her what's happening, and Jennifer rushes home. Like, they love this man. It's their stepdad, but it's their dad. Right. So she rushes home. Please go right into action. Like, they... Right straight away, like secure the... Is this still in Austin? mm Mm-hmm. Okay. They secure the crime scene straight away because now it's a crime scene because they don't know, right? They tape off the house and they start their investigation. It seems like someone had come in the side door of the home, which had been left unlocked, and shot him, is what they're thinking happened. So they start by taking DNA samples from anybody that's in the house, right? So they're obviously going to get it from Steven. They take it from Celeste. They take it from the girls. They start um, fingerprinting everything and they start asking a million questions like rapid fire, like, you know, who's here? When was the last time you, you know, just initial questions, right? They're moving very, very quickly. But as the three girls, Celeste, Jennifer, and Christina are told by police, we need you guys to go outside. You know, we don't want there to be any contamination to the house or to the crime scene or anything. You guys need to, let's go outside and talk, right? So the three girls are walking out the out to the front yard and it's just them walking. Nobody's around them because the police are scurrying. They're doing their job very, very quickly, as quickly as they can. Celeste apparently says something very, very interesting to the girls. And this is what she says, quote, if the police ask you who could have possibly done this, do not mention Tracy's name. And the girls are like, What? Why would she just say that? So who is Tracy? You're Tracy. It's not me. <laughs> Tracy <laughs> oh Tarleton. I'm like, who the fuck? Is her coming out <laughs> saying that she tried to kill this man? Is it? Or is it? Who knows? Tracy Tarleton came <laughs> into the picture when she got acquainted, acquainted, acquainted with Celeste at St. David's Pavilion. Okay, so this is a mental hospital. Both women were suffering from depression and receiving treatment there. Tracy had a co-occurring diagnosis of alcohol dependency, and Celeste actually had a breakdown where she put a loaded gun up to her head and threatened to kill the girls. Okay, so although there's numerous accounts that the nature of these of Tracy and Celeste's relationship, reports claim that, that Tracy developed romantic feelings for Celeste and many claim that Celeste manipulated those um, feelings to get whatever she wanted from Tracy. Mm. So they met in, in I don't want to say treatment, but it was a mental health hospital. They, they both were there inpatient to get help. That's how they met. They developed a friendship that is speculative that it was sexual. Okay. Okay. Um, Tracy was um, um, lesbian and Celeste... I don't know. She denies it, but other people will say something different. So, but like she, you just said, could have been just using that, right? To absolutely, get her to do what she wanted. Absolutely, to do. but she. So Celeste says this to the girls, right? If it's if they ask who could have done it, do not mention Tracy's name. So the girls are like, "What the fuck? Like we love this man. Why are you telling us to keep anything from the police? Like let them do their job, right? Like if." 
Right. If she did it, hold her accountable. If she didn't, then let her clear herself. Yeah. Right. So the girls do not keep quiet. When the police asked them, and they did, they told them. They told them about their mom's bizarre statement to them as they walked out of the house. And they told them that Tracy and their mom had a side, possibly sexual relationship with Tracy. That they loved their stepdad, and that they were sad, devastated, and they told the truth. They told the cops everything. Props to them. Yeah, seriously. They told the police that she was a manager at a local bookstore, and she would um, often get invited over to their house by their mom, Celeste, for dinners, birthday parties, and they even came to the twins' high school graduation. Like... They were doing relationship best friend stuff. Right. I mean, they she was a part of their... Family. Yeah. I mean, you don't come and spend holidays with people that aren't... I mean, yeah, she spent holidays with friends, but you don't... You're not there while they're opening presents. I mean, those are private family affairs. Right. Right? And... Or like a family dinner on Tuesday night. No, no, no. I mean, that's, you know... I mean, and Celeste invited Tracy to all of those things. So the girls were like... They had a really weird friendship. It was, if it was a friendship, it was weird. It was, it was weird. It was clear to everyone that Tracy had romantic feelings for Celeste and Celeste played her for whatever she wanted. I mean, Mm. she, she manipulated those, those feelings, that emotional connection and shame on her for doing that. Literally. Um, Friends noticed and would report though mutual affection between both of them. They would say, lots of reports said this, um, that Celeste, that they would see Celeste like sitting on Tracy's lap or snuggling up to her, whispering in her ear, things like that. And on one occasion, Christina said, her daughter said, that she saw them kissing in Celeste's bed. So, Mm, okay. Christina told her adoptive father about it, but then Celeste denied the whole thing. So, I don't know. And it wasn't like, I mean, I'm super affectionate and I hug and kiss people all the time, you know, like on the, on the cheek, whatever. But that's not the kind of kiss that I'm talking about here. Okay. So they, I mean, they were like laying in the bed. Making out. Yeah. Kissing. So based on that information that the girls told them, the police do get a search warrant for Tracy's house. So they show up at her house and the police ask her, do you own a shotgun? And she's like, yeah. And so they said, well, can we see it? She hesitates, but she's like, I mean, you've got a search warrant. So she can't say no. Right. She, I mean, she can't. So they take her, her shotgun and they send it to the lab or whatever. And they fire it. They do, you know, their diagnostic ballistic tests. Exactly. And lo and behold, it matched the gun shell that was found next to Steven's bed. So on October 8th, 1999, five days after the shooting, when the diagnostic results from the bullet come back, Tracy is arrested and she's charged with attempted murder. Because he's still alive, right? He's still alive. Tracy goes completely silent. She refuses to answer any questions and investigators are not satisfied that she was the only one. Right. Like the whole vibe and the energy of the entire scene is just not, cops are like, there's something more here. This does not, this is not making sense. Yeah, there's more to this story here. But Tracy is like lock and key on the lips. Like she's not saying anything, nothing. She's not asking for a lawyer. She's not, she's straight up just stonewalling them, not saying shit. Meanwhile, Steve, he survived the initial shooting 
and he even appeared to be like recovering. Investigators though wanted to talk to him, so they go to the hospital when he regained consciousness and was getting his strength back. They went to the hospital to talk to him, but according to police reports, Celeste had hired a defense lawyer and that defense lawyer denied the cops access to her husband. What? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you deny, why would you say a victim of a shooting can't talk to the cops? Yeah. That's super sus. Yeah. So he eventually left the hospital, was released from the hospital, and he went home to continue his, to, you know, to heal. <clears throat> his recovery. Back home with Celeste? Yeah. Why? She didn't do it. Right? There's Sorry. No, squeaky yeah, chair. your squeaky chair. His recovery, though, was really, really difficult, and he was in pain for months and months. The twins refused to leave his side the entire time, helping them any way that they could. Like, he was never left alone, ever. They don't trust their mom. They don't trust anyone. They don't know what happened. And they love him, and they did not leave his side. He he was sick, and he was hurt, and they didn't leave him. Um, But in January, he died. He died of a blood clot that came from some of the injuries, and he passed away. The girls were devastated. Yeah. Not so much Celeste, but the girls were absolutely devastated. Not only did they lose their biological dad by suicide, but now the man that stepped in and loved them and filled that role was dead too and gone. Yeah. Their mom did her best, by all accounts, to be there as much as she could for the girls, but she... She was just not that kind of mom. So here's an example. One day, the three of them went to pick out a casket and to make funeral arrangements for Stephen. And the three of them went together. Um, But Celeste made an additional interesting purchase on that day. So they're looking at caskets. They pick one out for Stephen. It's perfect. Everybody's happy with it, whatever. And then Celeste turns around and she says, I need two of those. And she points at a pink casket. And she buys two pink caskets and says right in front of them, these are for you. What the fuck? Right. Both of the girls are like, why in the fuck would two 18-year-old girls need a casket? And they, right then and there, like we're scared. Like they were like, she's going to kill us. What? Yeah, what I mean, mom, what other reaction would you have to that? What reaction would you have? And how, like, I don't even want to use the word inappropriate. Like that is like. Sadistic. Psychological abuse. Like right there. Or a warning. On the investigation side, it comes to a complete standstill. Like, no new evidence is found, and again, no one is saying shit. Nobody is talking. Tracy is, again, just like, not saying anything. I like that noise you made. Do you? Celeste's behavior, though, is like increasingly getting more bizarre. Everyone is sad and crying, right? And having a really, really hard time adjusting to Stephen's death. But Celeste is just like laughing, dating, carrying on doing her and being crazy like crazy as in buying pink caskets for her 18 year old daughters like 
Very, very bizarre behavior. Right. But then in February 16th, on February 16th of 2000, Celeste says this to the girls. Just randomly at dinner, everybody's at home, cooking dinner, being as normal as this fucked up family is, right? And this is what Celeste says to the girls. Quote, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we all just kill ourselves? The girls absolutely freeze. And they're like, mom, what? And then she goes, she being Celeste, grabs a butcher knife off of the counter, lunges forward like she's going to stab one of the girls, and stabs it right into her own leg. What the hell? Right. The girls freak out. Blood is going everywhere. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with our mom? Like, what is wrong with her? They call 911. 911 calls. Celeste, I love the look on your face. I cannot believe you've never heard this story. Celeste is taken to the hospital via ambulance and she's stabilized there, right? But she just put a freaking 15 inch butcher knife all the way into her leg. Like she's in the hospital for a hot minute, right? So while she's there recovering, she becomes totally unhinged, completely unhinged. I'm she, sorry, but like, I'm a grown, like these girls are grown ups. I'd be like, you're fucking nuts. Peace out. I'm moving out. Right. <laughs> right. After the casket comment, I would have been like, bye. Yeah. Girl, for bye. Sure. Seriously. Right. She calls the girls nonstop from the ho- from her hospital um, room. She's screaming and yelling at them about anything all the time. Like she'll just rant, just call them like nonstop all day. Call them just screaming at them. And it gets so bad. And honestly, the girls are getting like more and more afraid of her. Like they're genuinely afraid of her. Yeah. Genuinely scared. So Christina has the forward thought to start recording her mom. Good. And so she does. So she gets hours and hours of rage yelling and threatening her girls on tape. Like she would say to them, I heard one recording where she is like, if you do not get your ass home and answer this phone when I call, it's on the answering machine. Sorry. If you don't, like on the answering machine, if you do not get your ass home and answer this phone, you will be sorry. Like she was like crazy unhinged, like off the rails. Absolutely. Off, off the charts. Like over the top, right? But then Celeste says one more thing in one of the recordings. She says, quote, I, like she's threatening them, right? Like what she'll do to them, making them be sorry. And then she said, I've hired somebody to kill Tracy. Poof. So she says, and she's being recorded, that she's hired someone to kill Tracy. Jesus Christ. So the girls, like, obviously, like, they're fucking scared. They're scared. They genuinely thought that they were going to be next. Like, genuinely thought that their mother was going to kill them. Did their dad actually kill kill himself? Just wait. She had already bought their caskets, right? So, I mean, it's not not super like, oh, I wonder if my mom's going to kill me. Like, she's going to kill you. Eventually. She's already planned it. Like, she already has a casket custom made for you that's ready, paid for, sitting in your garage or wherever. I mean, wherever they, wherever they put them, right? After they, I don't know. Chilling in their fucking living room. They were fucking terrified. They were scared. 
But then Celeste is about to be released from the hospital. And the girls knew, like in their hearts knew, she's going to kill us. And so they emptied their bank accounts and they did exactly what you said you would do. They ran. They stayed in hotel rooms. They paid for everything in cash. They quit their jobs like they were in hiding, like straight up in hiding. And Celeste, every moment was looking for them and they knew it. They went to the cops, but the cops can't do anything because number one, it is not unreasonable for a loving, caring, kind mother to be searching frantically for her children. Like that's not, that's not, not unreasonable. Right. You can walk around. It's not, that's not stalking, right? It's a mother, distraught mother looking for her children, right? Not a crazy ass bitch that's about to kill her kids, right? Right. If that's what she's planning to do, which is where evidence points you. And they had no reason to arrest her. None at all. Like... What mother out there hasn't said, if you don't get your ass to your room, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to make you sorry for it. I mean, every mother has spoken to their child at one point or another like that, mm -hmm. right? Typically not 18 year olds. But anyway, the girls, after being turned away from law enforcement, saying we can't do anything to protect you because there isn't anything that's been done. Like there's nothing that we can't do anything. Even though, like, though she said that she hires somebody to kill Tracy? To kill Tracy, not to kill them. But that's still a crime. Can't she get arrested? For what? Hiring Run in her mouth? Freedom of speech. I don't know. They did. They. Oh, the cops don't know about the recordings yet. Oh, okay. Okay. So. So anyway, after being turned away, please tell her I we can't do anything to help you. Like we can't just go and arrest her. We can't. We I, we can't do anything legally. But what you can do is you can take yourself down to the crisis center, and file a protection for order or a protection order, which the girls do. And they go to court and they petition the courts for a family protection order and they get it. Good. And the judge awards that. Good. March 20, 2002. <clears throat> two years now after Stephen's death. Two years of being afraid that their mother is going to kill them. Two years of this, right? Mm -hmm. Celeste remarries. So she acted sane enough for somebody to fucking marry her again? Yep. It's her fifth marriage. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Tracy, who is still in jail awaiting her trial, sees that that protection order was given to the girls in the paper, and she has like this change of heart, feeling compassion or empathy or whatever, whatever she was feeling. Tracy. I mean, Tracy, right. Okay. I mean, she probably loved these girls. I mean, she spent birthdays and holidays and... You know, it's pretty hard to be around somebody for that and amount of time. thought that they were going to be together and be a family, probably. Yeah. And so she sees that these girls are in danger, not knowing what is happening because she's on the inside. And so she has a change of heart. And she goes to the cops and she's like, I'm ready to talk now. If these girls are in danger, I'm ready to talk. Now, she also catches wind at the same time, though, that, that Tracy got remarried. Or that... Celeste got married. Right. So it's hard to, it's, it's if hard it's to. vindictive ex-girlfriend stuff or if it hits. Yeah. If it's, okay, this bitch just betrayed me and left me here to take the crime, you know, take the punishment for something that she did or, or if it's really, oh, these girls are in danger and they need protection. Hard to say. Hard okay, to say, but result. that's, but that's, but that's what happens. Okay. So. And nobody was happy that she got remarried. Nobody. The girls, not Tracy, nobody was happy about that. So, I mean, she just moves from dude to dude to dude, right? So, whatever. But along with Tracy's statement to the cops, 
and the recordings that they had, that was enough evidence for them to arrest Celeste for capital murder, and they did so. In February 2003, the trial begins. Prosecutors charged that she had married Beard just for his money, Stephen, just for his money, and wanted him dead because he was tired of her extravagant spending of his money and that he was considering divorcing her. Now, his attorney, David Kupperman, testified that D Stephen did not want a divorce and that the underlying issue of the spending was addressed in, in couples therapy, which they both attended. But according to Stephen's accountant, Celeste had spent, okay, this is like insane. She spent $321,000 in October and November of 1999, $249,000 by December 10th. What the fuck is she buying? And another $100,000 in the six weeks ending March 31st. She bought herself cars, jewelries. Sometimes she would spend between fifteen dollars and $30,000 a day on shopping. God, I'd like to spend that kind of money. What the hell? Holy shit, though. I don't even know that I could spend that much money in a day. No. And not even in Austin, Texas. I mean, like, I don't know what the hell you're buying, but Jesus Christ. Well, and maybe like Gucci or something, but damn. I don't know. That's, I mean, damn. Celeste's attorney, though will allege that she had nothing to do with the shooting and that Tracy, whom he dismissed as being super unreliable due to her mental instability. Are you serious? Because she goes and gets help, you're going to use that against her? Well, and that your client was in for the same thing? Right. But she's a reliable source? Ooh, good point, good point. And he said that Tracy was completely obsessed with Celeste and he put great focus on how Tracy had allegedly tried to kiss Celeste after she had passed out during her daughter's 1991 high, or 1999 high school graduation. Mom's so drunk she passes out and you're going to like say this, that Tracy did something wrong? Seriously. Okay, mother of the year. Anyway, there's another example of when Tracy was arrested for drunk driving. Celeste bails her out. So Celeste bails her out of jail. And then Stephen apparently gets super, super pissed at Tracy because she's calling the house and she's whatever. So he apparently is super angered by the relentless phone calls and he demands that Tracy stops contacting the family. Stops calling, stops coming over, blah, blah, blah. So several witnesses testified that they saw absolutely no problem whatsoever in Celeste and Stephen's marriage, that they were just blissfully happy and everything was great. But Jennifer and Christina testified against their mother Ooh. in the murder trial, describing the information, describing all of the information, right, that we just talked about. Yeah. Yet Celeste's defense was that her daughters were greedy and manipulative because... The three of them were named in Stephen's will, and but Celeste gets all of the money because they're under her, right? So all of his money would go to Celeste as his wife unless she was convicted. And if she's convicted, they would get an estimated $2 million each. So she's saying they're doing it for the money. <laughs> Whatever. 
the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Whatever. The jury... <laughs> Oh, okay. The jury finds after deliberation that Celeste is guilty of capital murder. She's sentenced to two consecutive 40-year terms, and the possibility of parole will be offered to her at 79 years old. She, to this day, says that she was set up and she's completely innocent. She says that when they, the twins, found out that they weren't going to get any money till I died or went to prison, they turned against me. My kids sold me to the state of Texas quote unquote. She says that Tracy is lying and those, those conversations of killing Stephen never took place in a serious matter and that Tracy acted completely alone. Mm. After the trial though, Tracy asked to meet with the twins like privately where she apologized to them like profusely apologized and explained to them that she really thought that she was killing a violent man who was abusing her and her and abusing her, their mom and them. Because that's what Celeste told her. Hmm. Tracy agreed to testify against Celeste in exchange for a reduced 20-year prison sentence. Tracy stated in court that Celeste had suggested that Tracy use her own gun to kill Stephen. And Celeste offered to help by turning off the burglar alarm, the security alarm, and leaving not only the back door, the side door of the house unlocked, but leaving his bedroom door unlocked as well. But even though she shot Steven, she said that she wasn't the one who actually killed him, like the only one who did it. She pulled the trigger, but it was Celeste that, that set it up. Um, instead, after Steven returned home to Celeste care, oh, this is, what, this is what Tracy said that Celeste did, that after Steven returned home, like to get better after he was released from the hospital, Celeste put things in his wounds to purposely infect it. Oh. Now, I don't know how she would know that, though, because she was in jail. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how she would know that. Yeah. That's not something that you're going to say, like, over a jail phone or something. Right. Right? Because it's recorded. So I don't know. I don't know how she would know that. I mean, really, if you think about that. Like, I'm yeah, not on her true. side. But but how would you know that? Right. I, I mean. You wouldn't. You, you wouldn't know that. So, and especially with all of, that just doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. Tracy also said that Celeste had told her how abusive Stephen was and how desperate she was to get out of the marriage. She said to her one time, quote, our house is a complete war zone. Stephen wants me to have nothing to do with the kids as far as disciplining them. I feel like I'm totally alone in this big house. He passes out every night. It's just too much. I'm so upset about everything. I'm so depressed. I just want to kill myself. Oh, according to Tracy, that's what Celeste had said to her. Mm -hmm. And she felt like she had to help her and her kids. The jury believed her. And they handed her 10-year jail sentence. 10 year? 10 years. Followed by 12 years of probation. She was incarcerated until August 2011. Where she finally made parole and was released from prison. Initially, she found it re very, very difficult, right, to get back into society with her criminal history. Yeah. And it proved very, very difficult to find employment or to even rent a place to live. But more so, she was eaten up by the guilt of what she did. Um, the people of her community, though, in San Antonio, helped ease her back into everyday life and even held, held a fundraiser for her to get her on her feet. 
Sources mentioned that in 2021, Tracy completed serving her probation period and she was taken off parole. Oh, I totally thought you were going to say she like killed herself. <laughs> no, I think the story's got enough, don't you? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's going, it's happening again. Um, she does very much prefer a life away from the public sphere and keeps minimal presence on social media. Um, it looks like she still resides in San Antonio and she's built a pretty happy life for herself considering. Hmm. So in 2017, however, the girls, Jennifer, along with two others, were shot multiple times at a Halloween party in Austin, Texas in October, on October 29th by her roommate at the time, Randall Jones. One of the victims sadly did not survive and Jennifer reportedly needed 10 surgeries to recover from the wounds that she got directly in the stomach. <gasps> Shut up, no, you can't, you can't make that up. No. Oh my God. According to Christina, who has established herself a good life um, in California, her sister can't work anymore and relies on her for financial support. Christina is married. She has a great job and two children. And Celeste is still in prison. So, if you like to watch TV shows, I Samantha, TV shows. there are several movies that have been made about this story. Snapped, episode one is about her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Love the a good case, episode of Snapped. Right? <laughs> Um, behind bars, uh, snapped behind bars. Okay, the case was covered in such news documentaries, though, such as American Justice, Deadly Women, Vengeance, Killer Millionaire, Millionaires, Reasonable Doubt, ABC's 2020. Um, there's a biography, the Celeste Beard Johnson story that was released in 2019. Celeste and five other inmates published a book called From the Big House to Your House which is a cookbook that lists recipes that you can make in prison cells from ingredients from the prison commissary. Oh, what a great idea. In case you, you know, I ever... actually would love to buy that book. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, have that desire to cook like you live in frickin' prison, whatever. On June 13th, 2021, Lifetime aired a series called The Secrets of a Gold Digger. <laughs> <laughs> In 2022, ABC aired two episodes entitled What the Sisters Saw, Part 1 and 2, on the show Who Do You Believe? So that's a lot of TV shows, movies, etc. And a huge case, and you had never heard of it. Uh-uh, I haven't heard of it. And um, I'm honestly shocked that she didn't get the death sentence. Texas loves the death penalty. Yeah. Texas loves it. Yeah. But you could say, though, like, he didn't die right away. I mean, it's a good defense attorney could eat that shit up. And honestly... Texas loves the death penalty, I understand though. that. I'm so shocked that I she got... I understand that. However, Texas wanted Celeste, and they made a plea deal. Yeah. So, that's how plea deals work. Like, death sentences and life sentences come off the table to get a plea deal yeah. and get more than one person. That's true. So, and honestly, had they not done that, without a shadow of a doubt, Jennifer and Christina would be dead. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But. That's a wild story. That is a wild story. It's just like trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma from the get-go. I have no words. Awesome. And I've done my job. I kind of hated that. 
Really? Did they kill the dad? Or did he really kill himself? No, he killed himself. I really thought you were going to give me a plot twist at the end where, like, she was like, he said he was going to take care of my twin girls, so I went and I made it look like a suicide. Mo-ha-ha. Uh, well, he took care of them regardless, but... Right, no. but, like, because she didn't have custody of both. And if, right. when they were dating, mm-hmm. she was like, I have twin girls. And he's like, I'm going to raise them. And she's like, mwahaha. Yeah, no, he really committed suicide. Uh-huh. But my God, the trauma we in We don't that. know that. And that we do. He left a note and his doors were locked. I got and... really aggressive there. Yeah, Sorry. you really did. No, he really committed suicide. Um, My story's better. But, holy shit. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Super wild. Great job on the research, because that's crazy. Yeah, thanks. It's crazy, girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was too much. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a good case. That was a good case. This chair is so squeaky. I know. I need to get some WD-40 for it. All right. Well, that's that's what I got Great today. Great work, girl. That's thanks. wild. I'm going to have to look at pictures, because was she, like, pretty? She had to have been pretty. Yeah, she was pretty. Yeah. I'm going to have to look at pictures, because she... How'd she land herself a old rich man? Yeah, come on. Minner, come on. <laughs> I don't know. How'd she land a rich old man that's twice her age? Gosh, I don't know. Do your knees work? Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I come on. You just though. said that. Seriously. How do you get like, a man to do what you want him to do? Good Lord. All of our men listeners are like. They're like, fuck yeah, bitch knows. Gasp. They're not gassed. They're like, yep. Chick knows. <laughs> well, fantastic work on this episode. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Stay safe.